U.S. national team World Cup qualifiers we have spent four months waiting for are almost here. But before we get to them, we have another weekend of MLS action and Americans Abroad action to dig into. This is the SBS Show. Hello, everybody. I'm Ivis Filarsep. And yes, I know you probably thought we were going to go a week without a show. My apologies for not having a midweek show. If there was a week to have two, sh- two shows, this was the week because there was so much to talk about. There is so much to talk about, but I'm here knocking a show out for you before the weekend starts. Hopefully you wake up on Saturday morning and you have this show ready, locked in and ready to listen. We're, we have a lot to talk about. U.S. national team roster has been chosen for the World Cup qualifiers. Bruce Arena has named his squad. We're, we're going to dig into that, obviously. Uh, we have Americans Abroad uh, news to discuss. We have U.S. Under-20 National Team World Cup draw to discuss. And U-17 residency program is closing its doors. Uh, that's uh, we'll, get, we'll touch on all that stuff. And then, of course, MLS, uh, we didn't get to talk about week two. Uh, we'll do a little speed round version of talking about week two. And then we'll dig into MLS week three. Uh, all 11 matches, as well as CONCACAF Champions League. Can you tell we have a lot to talk about? And I'm going to try to jam it all into an hour. We have, so I do have bad news in that we do not have a guest for this show. And I, I'm a little surprised because... When you see how well the guy the guys did who were on the show last week, Nick Lima, Kellen Acosta, they both scored goals after coming on the show. You would think that the people would be lining up to be on the show, but alas, we don't have a lineup yet. We don't have a line of guests, and it's my fault. I'm not going to blame anybody. It's my fault. I didn't I didn't work the phones to get the get the guests this time around, but I will be working the phones on Sunday, and I'll be pulling this in some guests for our next show, which will drop hopefully on Monday. I'm going to try to get the show recorded on Sunday because I will be heading to San Jose, California on Monday for U.S. National Team training camp ahead of the qualifier against Honduras at Avaya Stadium. We'll get in the we'll get in all that. Of course, we have to start off with the U.S. National Team. Bruce Arena has chosen his roster. He picked the 24 man roster. We've already had a bunch of changes or not a bunch, but we've already had a handful of changes to the squad he originally picked and he picked the 24 man roster. And as we would have expected, there were going to be some surprises. Uh, one selection that maybe shouldn't be seen as a surprise is Clint Dempsey is back in, even though Bruce Arena tried to get us all to think he was going to take it slow. He was going to take it easy. But I think once he saw Clint Dempsey start in two straight games for Seattle, play 90 minutes in Montreal, I think he felt confident that, you know what, Dempsey, we can bring him in. Uh, Bruce Arena is tempering expectations right now. He's talking about how, kind of a, expecting maybe a super sub role for these qualifiers in March. But you know what? As long as he's on the team, uh, he's someone you could put on the field and he can make things happen. I mean, he's already made things happen for Seattle uh, since he's been back this season, even though they haven't won yet. Uh, he's definitely shown really good flashes in both games that they played. He scored a goal in the opener in their opening loss to Houston. And uh, he, he would have had a uh, an assist if uh, on the... Questionable offside call on Jordan Morris on, on what would have been a goal there. But Dempsey's done well. Uh, Jeff Cameron is back in the fold. Tim Howard is back in. These players who were dealing with injuries, uh, long-term injuries, and now they're back just in time, which is great. Uh, you know, for, for the U.S. national team, you want Tim Howard in goal. You want Jeff Cameron on the field. Let's face it, he's one of the best players in the U.S. player pool. Uh, but he'd been out since October, so that's great timing. Not everything has had been great timing, mind you, because we did have a major injury take place during the after the roster was chosen. And when I say major injury, I don't mean a, a like a serious injury, but an injury that comes at an awful time. And that's Fabian Johnson. 
will miss the World Cup qualifiers with a hamstring injury suffered in Europa League play with Borussia Mönchengladbach. They played Schalke uh, and and they lost. They actually lost the once he, they were winning, uh, and then second half they collapsed. Schalke took took yeah, with a bit of luck. Schalke won. But what mattered for U.S. fans is the fact that Fabian Johnson limped off early in the first half, and you kind of knew then he he, he wasn't going to play in the qualifiers. And it's an interesting one because Bruce Arena had already let it be known that he plans to play Fabian Johnson as a winger, as a midfielder. He wants to put him on the left wing where he plays for his club team. Clearly, he had talked to Fabian Johnson about that. And, you know, at that point, you're saying to yourself, okay, this is what a lot of people have wanted for a long time. But who's gonna play fullback? And if there's a if there if there's a place on this roster you got to worry about with the U.S. national team, it's fullback because the options at fullback are a little questionable. At left back, you have Demarcus Beasley and you have Jorge Villafania. Uh, and Villafania, mind you, hasn't played that much this year for Santos Laguna. Demarcus Beasley has played one match for the Houston Dynamo. And he didn't play in the January in the January friendly. Oh, he played in one of the friendlies briefly. But, I mean, he was in camp, but he didn't start in either of those friendlies. Uh, so those are your left backs. I mean, you have Tim Ream as well, but it seems like he's going to be more likely to be a center back option. But that's not, you know, that's not the greatest uh, options in terms of left backs. Now, I've always been a via finding supporter, but he's not playing that much these days. I know he did he did play against Club Tijuana on Friday night, at, you know, a little earlier as I record the show. Uh, but he hasn't played a ton. And then you're talking about right back. You go to right back, it's an, it's even more of a... A bit of a head-scratching uh, selection when you look at Michael Orozco being kind of the one right back. I mean, no one was selected who actually plays right back. Um, Michael Orozco has played right back, actually. I stand corrected. He has played a couple of matches lately at right back. He had been playing as a right center back in a three-man defense. But now they've, they've uh, Club Tijuana has played more of a four-man defense lately. And, and Orozco's played at right back. But after Orozco, you you know, you, you pretty much have Jeff Cameron who can play right back, although he hasn't played right back for Stoke City in a while. Uh, and and then that's it. And and now with Fabian Johnson's injury, Bruce Arena uh, called him uh, Graham Zussi. And I know that was definitely a surprise to some people. It surprised to me just because one of the people, if there's a player that's missing from this roster that I kind of was like, how did, this ki- how did this guy miss being on this roster? And how does he not get called in with the Johnson injury? And that's Paul Ariola. Paul Ariola is playing great right now for Club Tijuana. He's, he's been outstanding. He's played at a, as a wingback. He's played as a midfielder, and he's looked very good. And when you when you think that Fabian Johnson's going to play on the wing, and then he gets injured, you figure they're going to go with a winger. Now, yes, Graham Zusi has been a winger his career, but he's been playing mostly at fullback lately. He's been playing fullback for Sporting Kansas City. He played fullback in the U.S. friendlies in January. So it's a little it's a little questionable. When you look at those options, it's it's kind of slim pickings, and maybe maybe that's why Bruce Arena took Graham Zuzzi because he wasn't feeling so confident about his, his right-back options. But I don't know. I don't know if Zuzzi's your guy in a game like this against Honduras. A team, and let's, let's be clear, folks. Honduras has weapons in the attack. They have weapons who can play on the wing. We're talking about players like Andy Nahar, Romel Kyoto, Albert Elise. I mean, these are all speedsters, and they could have a field day going up against what is really a suspect group of fullbacks. And and I, I'm a little worried here. I mean, if I'm a U.S. fan, I'm worried because I tell you what, like, I'll be completely honest. I, as, as recently as three or four days ago, I was looking at this game, and I said, you know what? U.S. is going to win this game. I don't see Honduras winning in the U.S. I just don't see it. 
However, the more you look at it, when you look at the fullbacks, you look at Honduras's dangerous options on the wing, and it's it could be a very uncomfortable matchup. Now, obviously, the U.S. can control the game with their midfield, try to dominate possession, but I mean, it, you know, anyone who's watched the Houston Dynamo, you've seen what Romel Kyoto and Albert Albert Elise can do. And Andy Nahar is playing, you know, playing great for Anderlecht. So, I mean, you know, I got to think Bruce Arena is losing a little sleep there. But he's got confidence in Demarcus Beasley, who's a veteran. And uh, they're going to need him. They're going to need Beasley to step up. I will say Beasley looked good in the, in the one match he did play in the opening win against Seattle. He did look good in that game. So I will give him that. But I'll tell you what, going up against Houston, I mean, sorry, going up against Honduras is going to be another matter. Although you could argue, well, Beasley's probably trained against uh, Elise in Kyoto, so he knows what they can do. So we'll see what happens there. It's a little, it's still a little nerve, little nerve wracking. Uh, as far as some other decisions in the in the roster itself, uh, Sasha Kleshton and Benny Failhaber, neither of them make the group, and I'm sure some people were surprised. Uh, I wasn't surprised about Failhaber. I got to say because even my my projections for the team that I thought Arena would call in, and even my projections for the team that I would have chosen would not have had Failhaber on it. Now, not, no, not, nothing against Benny Failhaber, but there are just some other options right now. Uh, and one of them is Christian Pulisic. Christian Pulisic absolutely can play in a central role, and I think Bruce Arena is considering that now more than ever after watching Pulisic play well in that role for Dortmund, for Borussia Dortmund uh, in Champions League. So I think once you look at that, and once you think, okay, you have Pulisic, you have Sebastian Legette, who Bruce Arena is a, is a big fan of. He, he likes his game a lot. And what's not to like? Legette looked really good in, in central midfield last year for the Galaxy. Hasn't had a chance to really play there this year because Kurt Anolfo, for whatever reason, keeps playing him on the right wing. He keeps playing Romain Alessandrini inverted on the left, which I, for me, I'm not a fan of. But we're not going to get into the Galaxy right now. But the point is, Legette, as a central midfield option, I really like. I think he's a very dynamic player. He's quick. I just think he gives you a little more than Benny Feldhaber right now. Uh, and then you have Darlington Nagby, who can also play that role. So you have options. And Clint Dempsey. Let's not forget Clint Dempsey. Clint Dempsey, you can play him behind the strikers. He doesn't necessarily have to start in that role, but you can bring him off the bench to play that role. So that's why Feldhaber lost out, and that's ultimately why Sasha Kleshin lost out. I know people were definitely a little surprised by that, but you know, the, the Red Bulls haven't, haven't, the Red Bulls are 2-0 and right now, but I mean, I wouldn't say that Kleshin's been lighting it up, uh, and, and you know, if you're Bruce Arena and you've looked at what he brings to the table and what some of these younger options bring to the table, maybe it is as simple as Arena wanting to go to go a bit younger, and you know what, I can't knock him for that uh, at all, and he, it, when you look at center back, there's a similar situation going on there, Walker Zimmerman gets the call over the likes of Steve Birnbaum, Matt Beasler, Matt Hedges, and and you definitely wonder what the future holds right uh, for for a player like Matt Beasler, who you know believe it or not he's actually thirty years old. I didn't even know he had turned thirty, but uh, he's turned thirty years old. And the competition at left center back is pretty fierce because you have John Brooks, you have Walker Zimmerman who can play in that left center back role, and now you have Tim Ream who's been a regular starter at Fulham. And by all accounts, has played well as a left center back, which was the position he played, uh, obviously, back when he was with the, with the Red Bulls and when he first went to England. And then, he obviously, he's played everywhere. He's played left back. He's played defensive midfielder. He's kind of your left-footed Jeff Cameron in that way, playing in the league championship. But he's done well at center back this this season. 
and and he's been brought in there. So I, you know, Steve Birnbaum kind of it's a numbers game. So Steve Birnbaum ends up missing out. If you're if you're Bruce Arena, you're looking at right center back, and you like Jeff Cameron and Omar Gonzalez. And between the between the two of them, you know, you got you've got the position pretty solidified. Then you can kind of understand why Birnbaum doesn't get the nod. I mean, you got to give Omar Omar Gonzalez has been playing well. He's been playing well in Mexico. He's been playing well in the Champions League. Anyone who watched who's watched him lately can tell you he's play, he's looked good. So from that standpoint, I definitely understand that that decision. The Walker Zimmerman one, I'll tell you what, he's you know, I I've said it before, for my money, he was the he was the defender of the year last year. But, you know, it's I feel like it's always a year later where where the player gets their due. I thought Matt Hedges was defender of the year in 2015. Maybe Zimmerman will win it this year. Uh, but Zimmerman's played really well, and obviously he showed well in the camp, in the January camp. And that's where quite a few guys uh, really boosted their stock. Jorge Villafania, Walker Zimmerman, Dax McCarty. Look at Dax McCarty. Dax McCarty gets the call over the likes of Perry Kitchen, Danny Williams. Uh, and you know what? He's played really well to start the year off. And and I wrote about it for Goal.com, but I think if you're Bruce Arena, and you look at the way that Dax McCarty handled that trade, that surprise trade from the Red Bulls to Chicago Fire, he shook it off. He got about he got the biz got to work, went about his business, played through the camp, the the January camp, and now he's helped the Chicago Fire start off one zero and one. Uh, you know, I can't imagine many a ton of people outside of Chicago had the Fire starting with four points. So credit to the work that McCarty's put in. He's earned it. He's really earned it. He's deserved it. And I know there's already some flat coming in about. You know, why, why does he get called in over Kitchen and, and Danny Williams? I tell you what, folks, I have no problem with Dax McCarty getting called in because when you think about what the role is, backup to Michael Bradley, backup defensive midfielder. Perry Kitchen actually has been playing, has not, has not been starting lately for, for his club team in Scotland. And then Danny Williams hasn't actually been playing in a defensive midfield role in England. Uh, so if you're talking about someone to handle specifically the defensive midfield role in front of the back four, Dax McCarty is a good option. He's definitely a good option, especially, I mean, you it, it, obviously Michael Bradley usually gives you 90 minutes, but if you want to move Michael Bradley up later in the game and you want to slide him in, totally understandable. And, and I like it. I mean, he, you know, he's obviously, I think at this point, the Kyle Beckerman era has come and gone. Uh, I, I think he's kind of, mo- you know, he's out of the picture now. I think Jurgen Klinsman would have held on a bit longer for Kyle Beckerman, but I think Bruce Arena is ready to move on now. Look at some young, look at some younger options, and the, the young option in this midfield group, Kellen Acosta. Uh, I've very, it's great to see him get the call because I could tell you what, there's not many players, there are not many Americans playing better than Kellen Acosta right now. He is playing outstanding. He's been outstanding in Concacaf Champions League. He's been he has started the year well. In MLS play, and he is he his stock. If you want to talk about a player whose stock is rising, Kellen Acosta's stock is rising. So uh, it's great to see him in there. Is he going to play in these games? Probably not. Maybe not. But I think his future is un- his future is unlimited. I mean, the, he he is his future star, and I think the future future is a lot closer now. And I've been he- we've been hearing about Kellen Acosta for a long time about his potential, about the qualities that he has, and that. I've had people telling me for a long time, this kid is going to be a star. And, you know, I'll, I'll admit for a while, I was kind of like, I don't, you know, I don't see it. I don't see it. I don't see it. But I see it now. We obviously had him on the show last week and he was, you know, he obviously was great on the show. And if you listen to that interview, I mean, you got a real sense of the kind of the kind of mentality that he has. I mean, we're talking about, you know, 21 year old doesn't take a break in the offseason, 
tr- works out straight through to get ready for the season. And the work is, and it, the, the proof is in the pudding. The way he's playing right now, he has put himself in that position. So uh, great to see uh, Bruce Arena give him that nod. As far as some of the changes, uh, Brad Guzan was initially called in, and this was an interesting. One. Now I had heard, I had heard before the roster was was put out, I had heard look, Guzan's you know going to have a baby soon, so he's not going to be a part of this team. But when they did the initial announcement, they had Brad Guzan on the roster. And then like a day later, then they made the, sh- the change, David Bingham replacing Brad Guzan. So it's kind of like, did you, like what was the whole point of that? And it was, almost, it was almost like a sign of respect that, okay, he was on the initial roster, even though it was all a bit of a formality. But, you know, who knows why, why these things happen. But Tim Howard's going to be your guy in goal. Nick Romano's the number two. David Bingham, the hometown uh, the hometown option there uh, playing in San Jose will be the number three. No problems with that at all. I mean, obviously, t- for me, a guy like Luis Robles, could he was on the fringes there. William Yarborough is someone else who's in, you know, kind of on the radar. Ethan Horvath's not playing at Molde, so, you know, you don't you don't really... I'm sorry, not Molde, uh, at, at Bruges. So you kind of understand why he's not he's not getting the call uh, a call there. And then, uh, yeah, just back to Areola. Areola kind of surprised me. The Areola... I'll say it. It's a snub. I'll call it a snub. I'll call it a snub. I know some some people don't like the word snub because it's kind of suggests that the player should absolutely have been on the team. Is that word a little strong? Sure. But it depends how you want to take it. Because for me, when I say snub or when I hear snub, it just means like someone who could have been on the team. Paul Ariola absolutely could have been on this team. But he's not on this team. He'll just have to keep doing what he's been doing. And if he continues to play the way he's been playing... I mean, he has to get a look, whether it's the Gold Cup or or World Cup qualifying this summer. But he's been he's been playing great. He, I mean, if you want to put a list together of players who've 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 had the best 2017s to date, he is near the top of that list. You got Bobby Wood, you got Christian Pulisic, Kellen Lacoste has been been tearing it up a bit now. But Ariola's in there. He's in that. He's like top five for me. He's top five uh, 2017 since the New Year's begun. Paul Ariola is on that list for me, but Bushrina made his decision, and we'll see what happens with uh, from then on. So you know what? Will this U.S. team beat Honduras and beat Panama? Absolutely can. I like the attack. I like the the, the form that the attack is in. When you think about Pulisic and the way he's playing, Bobby Wood playing great, uh, and, and you know the the rest of the team is healthy. Jordan Morris is healthy. He's playing well. Clint Dempsey's back. Josie Altador is healthy. Knock on wood on all these guys. Um, but the state of the the state of the attack is good. But the defense, if you're going to be nervous, be nervous about that defense because I don't know. I don't know. You know, Bruce Arena's. You know, it's kind of like in Bruce, as as the saying goes, in Bruce we trust. But the fullback options, it's a little tough. It's a little tough to just when you look at it and you're like mm, against Honduras. Ooh, that's mm, I don't know. That's the exact. That I tell you right now, that's what U.S. fans are saying right now. U.S. fans are looking at the fullbacks in this team and saying, yeah, I don't know. I don't know about that. Um, but we'll see. We'll see. I mean, I, honestly, what I would do, I would put Jeff Cameron right back. I think that's what you got to do. No disrespect to Michael Orozco, but I would feel a lot better if you put Jeff Cameron right back and you play it. Uh, and then, again, see, it's kind of <laughs> it's like you're, it's like playing chess, man. You move one piece, another piece you got to worry about. Can you play John Brooks and Omar Gonzalez together? That's a big question, right? Talking about two big center backs. Are you going to play them against a, a uh, I keep saying Dynamo now. I keep saying, I keep calling Honduras the Houston Dynamo. 
I blame Wilma Cabrera for signing all the Hondurans. But Honduras, with their attacking trident of uh, Andy Nahar, Albert Elise, Romel Kyoto, I mean, they have speed up top. And John Brooks and Omar Gonzalez are not the quickest guys. They're not. Omar, I'll cre- hey, look, all credit to Omar Gonzalez. He's, he's looked really good lately. And John Brooks has had a good season, but speed is, you know what? Speed's not their their specialty. Speed's not their strength. So we'll see. We'll see if it's going to be up to Bruce Arena to decide that. Because if he if he if he has confidence in a Brooks Omar Gonzalez tandem, then you can play Jeff Cameron right back. And I almost feel like yeah, it's like pick your poison. I'm probably putting Jeff Cameron right back, but we'll see. We'll see what Bruce Arena does with that moving on now we have the u.s under 20 national team we'll make it quick i just spent like a half hour talking about the u.s national team so if we're going to keep the show under an hour we're going to have to start grooving u.s under 20s find out their the world cup opponents they've drawn senegal saudi arabia and ecuador and this is a pretty good group i gotta tell you this isn't a group of death by any means and this is not a cupcake group i'd say the last world cup the last under 20 world cup the u.s had a pretty cushy group right and then the year, and then the two years before that, the DeAndre Yellen group, uh, twenty, was it the twenty thirteen group? That that twenty thirteen group was a group of death. I mean, I mean, I think it was. They, I think they had both finalists in there, and I want to say Spain. And then Spain didn't even make it out of that group. I think it was it was it France, Ghana, and Spain. It was some. It, it, I mean, it's so long ago, four years ago. But that was a killer group. So this group is okay. Ecuador. I'll tell you what, folks. Ecuador. Uh, finished in second place in in CONMEBOL in CONMEBOL qualifying. They smashed Argentina. They they smashed Brazil. They beat uh, I believe they beat Colombia as well. They lost to Uruguay. Uruguay was the winner, uh, the runaway winner in Com- in CONMEBOL qualifying. But Ecuador beat some heavy hitters in qualifying, and they actually had the highest scoring team in the qualifying tournament uh, down in South America. So they are going to be a handful. Senegal. Obviously, he has a track record. The, the last World Cup, the last under-20 World Cup, Senegal had a nice run. So they're not going to be easy. And then you have Saudi Arabia. You want to? You can argue the easiest of the group, but they also are no cup. They're not a cupcake. So uh, three good tests for, for Tab Ramos' U-20 team. But I tell you what, folks, if this U-20 team can get the, you know, get the releases on everyone they want, they're not going to get Christian Pulisic. But beyond that, I mean, Cameron Carter-Vickers, Gideon Zalalem, Joshua Perez, Weston McKinney, Nick Taitigu, Taitagwe, Tatigu. I'm going to learn his name, folks. I'm going to learn his name. Matter of fact, I'll have him on the show one day. Book it. But all those guys, all those guys are going to be in the mix, along with, obviously, the players who were in the qualifying tournament. It, that's a good group. The defense we know is solid. John Klinsman, it, it, by all accounts, is really blossoming as a goalkeeper. And while he didn't have a ton to do in the qualifying tournament, he still was an imposing presence. He won. He won the. He won the goalkeeper of the tournament in Concacaf. Uh, and then, you, if with the attacking pieces that you're going to be able to add, this is a formidable team. So we'll see what they do. Obviously, it'd be great to have Christian Pulisic on that team, wouldn't it? Crazy, crazy to think. Crazy to think. Two years ago, you could, he couldn't get a sniff. Now he's too good to be on it because obviously he has senior national team duties to worry about. Here's the last, and this is the this is the last U.S. note, U.S. soccer note. The U.S. under 17 residency program is closing its doors. Yes, folks, it's over. Bradenton is closing. Not the city of Bradenton. Bradenton will still be there, 
especially most likely for preseason because the IMG Academy is still there. You're going to still have games there and teams go down to Bradenton for, for, for spring training. But the U-17 residency program is closing its doors after this next semester. And, and I got to say, it's like a bittersweet moment right now because I, you know what? That program did a lot and doesn't get the credit it deserves for filling a big void for many, many years. But guess what, folks? All good things come to an end. And it's kind of outlived its usefulness now. Now you have residency residency programs and academies uh, in you know more and more places. I mean, you have Los Angeles, Philadelphia, you have Real Salt Lake. Uh, you have more programs. So there's kind of it, it, the void isn't what it was. There was a void when it began, and there was a void for many years. But now I think it's it's a good time to to kind of now let try to you know let these clubs let let these MLS academies have more time to develop these players and uh, and take those resources and use those resources that you are putting into the residency program and use them and use them for scouting, use them uh, for coaching, use them to supplement other other programs. But uh, it, it, the time has come. The time has come. And I tell you what, when you look at the list of players that have come through there, that's a pretty damn good list. I'm talking about Landon Donovan, Demarcus Beasley, Josie Altador. Uh, Omar Gonzalez, Agushio Yewu, Jonathan Spector, very, you know, Christian Pulisic, Michael Bradley. Did I say Michael Bradley? Michael Bradley. So, so yeah, I mean, it's, uh, it's, they've really cranked out some talent. And has it been a perfect setup? No, no one, I'm not, I'd be the last one to tell you it's been a perfect setup. I've definitely heard about issues with it and it had its flaws, but I always felt like people, much like college soccer, I feel like people kind of misunderstood or were misguided in their bashing of the program because the the problems with American player development are not caused by the U17 program or by college soccer but these the 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 rise of these type of the rise of these options and the need for these options were kind of stopgap measures and, and they were kind of band-aids for a development system that really w- was really behind for years. And people want to blame college soccer. People want to blame uh, Bradenton for not for holding things back. And it's like, no, people, these things have actually been kind of helping. These have been like the spare tires that have gotten you to where you've where you've gotten to now. And you know, were they perfect? No, but it, it was better to have them. It, it was better to have Bradenton than not have Bradenton. It's better to have college soccer than not have college soccer. Could these things be improved? Could college soccer be improved? Absolutely. They could play more games. They could play in the spring. They could spread it out. Uh, the season, sure. Uh, do away with the substitutions and all that, with the with the in and out of the games, oh, for sure. So many things you could do. Same with Bradenton. Could, the, could things have been done, done better? Sure. But guess what? It was better that these that it was better that Bradenton happened than if it didn't happen. Because I don't even want to think about uh, where things would be if not for Bradenton. Because not only has have have I mean, there's those players that you've heard about, right? Landon Donovan, um, Michael Bradley, Christian Pulisic. But then, I mean, I think I thought that I think the number was like 150 professional players have passed through there, right? How many, a lot of those players, you know, owe their owe their careers to Bradenton. To, to that experience and passing through there and, and, and competing against high-level talent. I mean, look at Nevin Subotic. I mean, I know, touchy subject, right? 
Uh, but Nemeth Subotic was in a park in Florida, gets discovered, gets to be a part of the academy. And, uh, you know, years later, he's uh, he's playing in the World Cup. He's playing in the Champions League, you know, having himself a pretty good career. And obviously he didn't play for the U.S., but still, the point is there have been so many of those type players. Mike McGee, outstanding career uh, as a professional. Uh, Jonathan Spector, still going. Jonathan Spector, still doing his thing. Omar Gonzalez, still doing his thing. Even have NFL players that have passed through there. Josh Lambeau. Former uh, former goalkeeper, now NFL kicker. So Bradenton definitely, uh, you know, did its thing. It did its thing. And as I noted on Twitter, for those of you who follow me on Twitter, uh, I, I, you know, I had the chance to go down there back in 2003. I went down, uh, it, it, you know, to it was part training camp, MLS training camp, but also part uh, Bradenton. And, and, and uh, the hook for my newspaper was the fact that Danny Zatella, who was from our area, my, cover, my newspaper's coverage area, the Herald News, uh, Danny Zatella was from our coverage area and I covered Danny Zatella as a freshman in high school. I covered his older brother. So when Zatella became part of this, uh, became part of, went to Bradenton and was chosen to go to Bradenton. You know what? I pitched it to my paper, send me down there. I'll get a bunch of stories. And you know what? That's where I met a 13 uh, year old Freddie Adu for the first time. Uh, I met a, I say 15 year old Michael Bradley when he was like five foot four with braces and you know, you would have saw him, you know, if you saw him when I first met Michael Bradley, you would have thought this kid is going to be the captain of the national team and be this imposing, imposing figure who plays in Serie A and the Bundesliga and 100 plus caps and multiple World Cups. You would not have thought that if you uh, if you would have met him like I met him the first time I met him. But hey, look at the amazing career he's had. You had J- Jonathan Spector was there, Eddie Gavin, Danny Zatella. Corey Ash. I mean, there were so many, so many names, so many, so many players. It was great. I tell you what, I would give anything to have the pictures from that trip because we actually sent a photographer down there uh, with me. Uh, This was a long time ago, mind you. This is back when newspapers had money. They could send people to travel. 2003, I know. I'm I'm showing my age here going back to 2003. But yeah, uh, that was my first exposure to Bradenton. And I was kind of like, what is this science experiment gone bad? These kids are going to a school in a strip mall. This seems weird, but the great part about it is they got they 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 trained and played regularly. They 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 got they got the chance to live, breathe, leave, live, breathe, eat, and sleep soccer, and playing against fellow elite level players in an environment that just didn't exist in the U.S. and 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 they created it. And here we are 14 years later. Now you have more teams that have that. Now you have, uh, you know, the LA Galaxy in their academy. You have Casa Grande. You have uh, Philly now with their school. So it's great to see. Great to see it developed the way it has. Uh, but it's still a little sad. It's a little sad to see Bradenton go. But you know what? It's time. It's time to close the doors. Moving on now to MLS Week 3. Before we get to Week 3, we're going to do the speed round version. Of, uh, of of MLS Week Two, uh, we have to we I have to do it. I have to go back. You know what? Chicago beat RSL 2-0. RSL missing most of their defense, but still impressive by the fire. Red Bulls beat Colorado 1-0. Tim Howard played out of his mind. Bradley Wright Phillips might have had a hat trick if not for Tim Howard. I was there. It was way too cold, but you know what? It was great to see Tim Howard. Great to see him back, and he's ready, man. He's ready. He's ready to. Go, go up against Honduras. He still has one more game to play. Yes, I know. And I don't want to jinx him. But 
knock on wood, he gets through this game against Minnesota healthy. He, I think he'll be ready to go. I feel like people have just forgotten about Tim Howard or are have just assumed Tim Howard is no longer a good goalkeeper. And, you know, like the guy can play. I mean, did we, have people really forgotten how he looked when he came, came over in the uh, second half of the season for Colorado? I mean, he played really well. Like he is still at a good level. And I feel like people who saw him struggle at Everton towards the end, right? He obviously wasn't at toward the end at Everton. He struggled, no question. I'm not gonna, no one, I'm not gonna deny it. No one, no one, you, you know, you, you, it's tough to deny that he had his struggles toward the end. But since he's been in MLS, he's been, he's played at a very high level. And you can absolutely say, for my money, one of the, still one of the top goalkeepers in MLS, top two or three for my money. If you're talking, okay, I need a goalkeeper for one game in MLS, who am I calling on to save my life one game to start a 90 minute game? Uh, Andre Blake is is in, obviously right there, might be number one, but Tim Howard's right there. Tim Howard's right there. So I feel like people are kind of sleeping on him, but we'll, you know we'll, we'll get we'll touch on that later. But anyway, okay, Philadelphia, Toronto, two two, some questionable calls there. We had the Alejandro Bedoya, Joe, Josie Altidore dust up via social media. Bedoya joked about Altidore being the diver. Altidore saw the quotes. Didn't get the debt. He was joking. Tweeted out some fire. You know what? Long story short, they they made up. They made up. Bedoya and Altidore are good friends. Did Altidore react badly? Yeah. I mean, if it's look, if my boy makes fun of me, and then I read the quotes, and it's my boy saying some stuff that looks kind of like whatever. Like, hmm, I'm gonna look at this. I'm gonna text my boy. I'm gonna say, listen, man, what are you doing? What is this? I'd call him. I'd call. If we're boys. I'm gonna call you. I'm not gonna come at you on Twitter. Twitter fingers, but you know what? Hey, who knows? We all react differently. Who knows how we would have reacted? Whatever. Point is, they made up. They did. You know, it's it's squashed. They're both in the U.S. national team camp. I'm sure they'll hug it out. They'll take some pictures. It's all good. Montreal two two against Seattle. Seattle battled back from two zero down uh, in Montreal. Very impressive. Brian Schmetzer. He always gets it done, right? Second half, second half of games. He has a magic. He has uh, my 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 theory is he has a bag of magic dust. And at halftime of every, any game that they're either tied or losing, he sprinkles the magic dust, they end up winning the game. It, it, I mean, it never fails. I mean, since he's been the coach, it seems like it always happens. Houston, 3-1 over Columbus. Zach Steffen will not want to remember this game for obvious reasons. But I'll tell you what, Houston Dynamo, that attack, that attack is fierce. We'll get into that preview in week three. But yes, very impressive. Sporting KC, 0-0. FC Dallas. I know there was a lot of complaining from Sporting KC fans and obviously from Sporting KC's team about FC Dallas going into Kansas City, bunkering down, looking to counter, looking to get a playing for a draw on the road. And I'll tell you what, folks, stop complaining. And I and I get and look, to be fair to Peter Vermees, Vermees pointed his his ire at the referee because in his mind, if the referee had called the game tighter, FC Dallas wouldn't have been able to kind of make the game ugly, slow the game down. It would have allowed KC to speed things up and have more opportunities and dominate the game even more, right? But FC Dallas went there on a mission to do one specific thing, and that's to try to get points with a shorthanded team because there were resting players ahead of the Champions League. No one should fault them for that. That's what you do. Uh, this idea that, oh, you know what? So what? You're the road team. You should attack and let us attack you. You should let us expose yourself. Like, let us let us tear you apart. Like, come on, folks. Most of the teams in MLS play play defense on the road. Most of the teams in MLS look to counter on the road. 
they aren't as wide open on the road. That's and that's like around the world, around the world. It's not like every league in the world has 18, 20 teams that like to attack on the road. That's that does that's not reality. Every league has some teams who attack on the road and a lot of teams who play more defensively at, at on the road. It just it is it that is just how you play. A lot of teams do that. FC Dallas I don't fault them. They had bigger fish to fry. They had the Champions League against Pachuca, which we'll get into in a minute. And they got a point with young guys. They played rook- They played rookies and young guys, inexperienced guys. And you know what? It was a good experience. They got a point. Credit to Oscar Pareja because that's a great job, getting a point with that group in Kansas City. Am I worried about Kansas City? Haven't scored yet this season. I think they'll be okay. I think they'll be okay. And actually, I think they'll be. I think they'll start to heat up this week. I think the offense will get going this week. San Jose, Vancouver, three-two. My boy Nick Lima comes on the SBI show, and he scores a goal. I'm just telling you. I'm telling you. And anyway, listen, go tell your favorite MLS forward who doesn't have a goal yet to come to to hit me up. Shoot me a DM. We'll get you on the show. We'll get you a goal. That's all it is. That's how it works. Nick Lima came on the show, got a goal. Kellen Costa came on the show, free kick beauty. We'll get into that a little bit. I don't want to spoil it. But it's proven. It's proven fact. Brooks Lennon, once Brooks Lennon plays, he will score. Just watch. Uh, but, yeah, okay. Uh, last three games, NYCFC, DC United, 4-0. I was at this game. NYC looked amazing. DC United looked horrible. And I know people are going to say, oh, DC, it's early. We didn't have Luciano Acosta. Look, I said it preseason. I'm not sold on this DC team. They didn't do enough to bolster their roster. It is going to be a long year, folks. Buckle up. It's going to be a long year, DC fans. I know I say it every other year, and more often than not, it proves to be true. I think DC actually rebound this week, but I'm just telling you, folks, temper your expectations on this DC United team. I just don't see it. I just don't see it. Atlanta, Minnesota, 6-1. The less the less said about this game, the better. But Miguel Amoron, oh, my Lord. And Vadim Demidov, oh, my Lord. Uh, that's all. That's it. That's all there is to say about that game. Oh, and Joseph Martinez is very good. Portland, LA. Now this one, we got to talk about this, folks. We have to because I know it's been a week. I'm super late because I should have had a show on Tuesday and to address this LA Portland situation. Portland won. I think they deservedly won, but the diving from the Timbers. I mean, Yellow Van Dam got a yellow for complaining. About a foul, which he he was right to complain because Diego Chara dove. Diego Chara was not touched, and he went down. And Van Dam took the bait, complained, got a yellow. Then David Guzman uh, apparently collapsed just at the threat of Van Dam coming near him. Because like I've looked at that video a million times, and I have not seen. I have not seen Guzman get David Guzman get touched. He thought he was going to get hit. He didn't get hit, and it affected his stride. And since when is that a foul? If I scare you into falling, it's a foul. Kid, I'm sorry, I don't buy it. And I know Alexi Lalas loves to talk about you don't have to make contact for it to be a foul. But yes, if you watch the video, David Guzman could have run with the ball right past Van Damme. Right, he could have run right past him. But he didn't run. Instead of running right past him, he adjusted his stride and then stumbled over himself, hurt his own shoulder, falling to the ground. And I, you know, I know people say, oh, he dove, he dove. I'm not saying Guzman dove. 
but he fell. He 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 was not hit. He was not fouled. He fell, and he hurt himself. And now he's questionable for their next game. And I'm a big. I, I like his game. I like David David Guzman. I I talked him up after the opening week. He's a very good player. But that is an unfortunate play for Jalen Vandama to get a red card in a play like that. But what can you do? You know what? It's you know referee referees early in the season. You never know what you're gonna get. Um, the funniest thing about that is LA went down a man and played better. Portland went up a man and played worse. And I, and this was like, weird. it was a weird game. It was a weird game. Cause when that red card happened, you thought, Oh, Portland's going to just run over LA, but they didn't credit to LA. They held it together. Uh, but they still lost. So it is what it is. Moral victories. LA got their victory on, was it Monday or Tuesday when their, when their social media team slash PR department put out a, a meme video uh, making fun of the Portland dives, right? And this became viral. I don't even know how many views it got. It became a big thing, right? And it was hilarious. It was hilarious. This is the, be- the best bit of social media m- produced by MLS that I can remember. And MLS tries hard to make things happen on social media. They try hard, let me tell you, folks. And this, it, it, 99% of the time, it it doesn't work, or it's bo- or it's wow, it's whack. It's not good. It's not. It's very very average. I'm sorry. I'm gonna just offend all the social media people. In MLS. You know what? I don't want to say 99 because there's some people who do good stuff here and there, but for the most part, I'll say a majority. A majority of the stuff being produced social media wise in MLS, it's kind of boring. It's kind of boring. It's bland, but. Credit to the Galaxy with this video, hilarious video. And then apparently MLS is not happy. Grant Wall reported that uh, MLS officials are not happy with this and we're probably not going to see something like this again. And that's that's just awful. I think that's awful for a league that's really trying to, you know, drum up attention and try to uh, attract, attract interest. Like, this was a good thing. We need more of that. And I said it on Twitter. We need more things like this, not less. Let NFL be the no-fun league. NFL can afford to be the no-fun league because they have an they have a fan base that is, no matter what, they're going to show up. No matter what, they have millions of fans. They have, like, NFL is the biggest game in town. They can be boring. They can cut out all the fun stuff. MLS, no. You're not in that position. Let people have fun. Let Kai Kamara twerk after he scores a goal. Let that happen. Let a social media team have a go at another team. Let it let it happen. But what can you do? You know what? You know what? My my theory on it: there's too many lawyers in upper management positions in MLS. That's what it comes down to. And you know what? They're they're not fun people. They don't have fun. They 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 see the negative. They see the risk. They don't just say, you know what? This is funny. This is entertaining. And that's what you get stuck with. You get stuck with a lot of vanilla stuff. And that's what you know. That's what you got. Enough ranting, enough ranting about uh, all that from week two. Now, you know, (laughs) I'm going to end up talking more about week two than week three when uh, week two was like a long time ago. I know, I know people. Moving on, MLS week three. And I'll tell you what, there's some pretty good matchups, MLS MLS week three. uh, And we're going to try to rattle them off for you real quick. NYCFC Montreal, uh, first game on Saturday. And then all... 10 of these 11 games are on Saturday. And if you don't, I'll tell you right now, folks, if you're a hardcore MLS fan, I hope you don't have anything planned for Saturday because there are 10 games from the beginning, from the 2 p.m. NYC FC kickoff against Montreal to the 1030 Eastern time Portland Timbers-Houston Dynamo game, which is 
arguably or you know one of if not the best game of the weekend so right there 10 hours of soccer so if you you know you wake up early to watch european soccer and then your 10 hour mls block and i know the euro snobs will say oh my god you couldn't pry my eyes open clockwork orange style and make me watch 10 hours of mls soccer but listen folks there's some good games are there some games i will struggle to watch yes but are there some good matchups absolutely let's break them down NYCFC Montreal. I think this is going to be a good matchup. I'm pick, I like NYCFC to win, but I think Montreal is going to have more luck, more success against uh, in, in Yankee Stadium uh, than DC United have. I think they match up well, but it's still not going to be enough. I think NYCFC is so their attack is so good, and I think they 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 have figured out how to play on that small field, uh, so they're going to win. I, I mean, NYC is going to win. There's some good matchups here, but NYCFC wins. Uh, and hopefully it'll be warmer than the last time because last week at Yankee Stadium it was way too cold. I think I had like a couple of uh, hot chocolates because it was just I had I had to like get cups of hot water and use them for hand warmers. That's how that's how cold it was at Yankee Stadium. Next up, Atlanta Chicago Fire. This is an interesting one. I'm picking Atlanta. I think Atlanta's going to win. Uh, no no disrespect to the Fire. The Fire have done all right. The Fire have done they, they've exceeded expectations. But look, they played a shorthanded RSL team. They tied a not not good Columbus team, a Columbus team that, you know what, is not looking like they improved. So this is really, it's weird to say that an expansion team is the first real test for another team. But I'd say Atlanta's the, the toughest test the Fire have had, and it's not going to be easy. And I think Atlanta's attack is going gonna, is gonna to do well. Although, look, Dax McCarty, if there's, a, if there's, you know, a couple of people who can maybe make Miguel Almiron work for, uh, you know, make him uh, work for his chances that he creates and for himself. Dax McCarty's your guy. So if McCarty can slow down Almiron, that'll definitely help things. But I tell you what, I, <laughs> there's so many other options. Vidalba, Joseph Martinez. Uh, they got so many weapons. I'm going to go Atlanta. I think Atlanta wins, gets their first win at home. Vancouver, Toronto FC, the all-Canada matchup. That's a big road trip for TFC heading all the way over to the opposite coast of Canada. Uh, TFC without Javinko. That definitely hurts hurts them. Although, look, they still have enough firepower. Jules Yatador uh, does like to... I think he does like to play against the Whitecaps. Uh, that Altador-Kendall-Waston matchup is a good one. That's like a UFC main event right there. I still like Toronto. I still like Toronto. Uh, Vancouver obviously had their midweek CONCACAF Champions League game against Tigres. They lost 2-0. And I got to tell you, losing 2-0 to Tigres is not exactly embarrassing because Tigres is a very good team. But I really don't see Vancouver having a chance in that in that, in that that series, even though they're coming back home. But they didn't get the away goal. And you're not going to shut out Tigres. I just don't see it. I don't see it happening. So, yeah, uh, I'll, I'll say Josie Altidore with a goal, at least one goal. And uh, TFC wins a, 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 an important game for them because they've... You know, all of a sudden start off the season with a pair of draws. And look, it's not end of the world time because they're still going to be a, one of the top teams in the league. But you don't want to start off too slow, right? You don't want to start off three games without a win. You know, when you have big time aspirations, you, you know, if you're TFC, you, you're thinking about Supporters Shield. You're thinking about the number one seed in the East. You're thinking about all that stuff. And they're good enough to do all that. But you don't want to lose any more ground early on in the season because that that makes things really tough dc united columbus crew jonathan mensa suspended for a well-deserved red card late in the, the game against houston dc united 
after getting pummeled at Yankee Stadium. I think they're going to come home. I think they're going to win this one. I actually, I like Patrick Mullins to have himself a game in this one. I think DC United will come back. I, I'm not sure about Luciano Acosta. If he's going to be available, but with or without him, I think DC United can win this one. I could easily see it being a draw, but I'm going to go DC United to win that one. Orlando did not play last week. Uh, obviously, it snowed out. Uh, they were supposed to play New England. That game was postponed. Now they play Philly, a Philly team who people, I don't think people appreciate the start that they've had because the Union haven't won yet, right? But they go on a road to, to Vancouver to get a draw. They face a tough TFC team. Right? A tough TFC team. And you know what? That Josie Altador penalty, very dubious. Very dubious. Uh, and then obviously Alejandro Bedoya misses a penalty. Philly could have very easily won that game. And they played well enough to win that game. Uh, so right there, you look at two. That's two pretty decent results. They go down to Orlando to the new stadium. And Orlando, no caca. They actually got lucky in a way that that last week's game was postponed. That's one less game they have to play without caca. I just think Orlando's going to struggle. I think they're going to struggle to generate chances. And I think Philly is going to find their chances. And I think Philly's going to get the road win. FC Dallas, New England, an interesting one. New England, as we just said, had the week off last week. And they're rested. And they're going up against the FC Dallas team that just played in the midweek in CONCACAF Champions League. We have to talk about that game right now. FC Dallas beat Pachuca 2-1. to one, uh, Overcame a really bad start, a really slow start. Uh, and just tore, it just really turned it on in the second half. Even early in the first half, they kind of turned, started to turn it on. But then really in the second half, they kind of took control of the game. Kellen Acosta with a free kick beauty. And, I'm, and I said it earlier, the key is on fire. He's playing so well. And you love seeing that. You love seeing a young American player really kind of blossom and really kind of, you know, just take take flight. And that's what Kellen Acosta is doing right now. So, um, you know, I want to see what Acosta does again. Now, every he, the, He's getting to that point now where you want to see him play. You want to see what he'll do. You want to see how he continues to evolve as a player. And, and FC Dallas, in that Pachuca game, I mean, Pachuca looked like they were going to tear that game open in the beginning. But FC Dallas showed in the second half the kind of team they can be. Now they take a 2-1 lead down to Mexico. That's I, And that look, that's not the most comfortable lead, right? Especially considering the track record of MLS teams in Mexico. But. This FC Dallas team can go to Mexico and score. I'll tell you that right now. I find it hard to believe Pachuca's going to shut them out. But the question is, how will FC Dallas hold up against that Pachuca attack? And, you know, we saw, we've seen FC Dallas's, look, FC Dallas's defense at times can be just dominant, right? But we saw in the first half against Pachuca, they looked a little shaky. They looked a little shaky. So, you know what? If, If they play like they played in the second half of the first leg, this this is a wide open series still, and they can win. They can win the series, but they have to play like that for ninety minutes. Because if you have a slow start down in Mexico, you're gonna get blown out. You're gonna get blown out. But you know what? I, I like I, I like their chance. I really like their chances. I'm not picking them to win, but I really like their chances. And we'll see. We'll see what they can do. But first, they have New England, the New England Revolution. I like FC Dallas chances. They're at home. New England, still a lot of question marks about New England. I mean, I know they've only played one game, so they still have, you know, they have these new players. You want to see how that new central defense is going to play, how their DP uh, defensive midfielder is going to play. I need to see more New England before I can really start giving them the proper rating and respect in these predictions, but I'm going to go FC Dallas. Sporting Kansas City, 
Look for that first goal of the season. They're going up against San Jose. Two and no San Jose earthquakes. Who would have thought winless Sporting KC versus unbeaten perfect two and San Jose would be the pairing for this matchup? But this is where we stand. Sporting KC, I think they're they're a little better than than the track record so far. And I think this is a game where they'll open things up. I think they'll no, they're not San Jose's is tough, right? They're not it's not like San Jose's just gonna lay down, but I think Sporting KC Sporting KC will be able to kind of showcase their attack a bit more. And it's time. Don Dwyer is a U.S. citizen now, by the way, for those of you who missed that. He became a U.S. citizen. And I think he celebrates that citizenship with a couple of goals. I think he's due. But watch out for Nick Lima. Maybe Nick Lima will score again. He's uh, he's feeling it after that uh, after that goal. It was funny. I, I got to say the celebration was pretty funny. Uh, it, it was like that sheer raw emotion and joy for for a young kid who has a super bright future. I know I know everyone's saying I'm on the bandwagon. I'm kind of leading the the Nick Lima fan fan club, but <clears throat> the kid is the kid has got some game. And I know he had a couple of defensive issues last week against Vancouver, but I think people saw the full range of qualities that he brings and here's another matchup for him going up against uh Gerso Fernandez, the 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 new signing, most likely uh the new signing for Sporting Kansas City. So we'll see how he does there. Next up Colorado, Minnesota, the movable, uh, what is it? The resistible force against the movable object. You have Colorado uh, with their attacking deficiencies going up against Minnesota. There is no D in Minnesota. Uh, Minnesota United, who, who have given up 11 goals in two games. 11 goals, unbelievable. And, uh, yeah, I mean, what do you do? This you look at that, you hear that, right? And you think, oh, this is zero zero, or it, like, what's going to happen? Is going to be four? Is, Colorado is going to win. That's what's going to happen, right? But can Colorado score a bunch of goals on this defense? Because then it's like, if Colorado can put four or five on you, you have problems. And no offense to Colorado, but Colorado isn't exactly known as an offensive juggernaut. But <clears throat> I'm going to go like a two to one score line. Three to one, three to one scoreline, Colorado. I get they get, I think they get three goals. Scout Shelson Gashi with a couple. Uh, Rapids are without Axel Show Axel Hoiberg, the uh, big center back. He had surgery, uh, uh, so he's uh, that's a tough one for him coming off that loss to the Red Bulls, and uh, they're going to definitely miss him. But I don't think they need Schoberg against Minnesota. I think they're going to win that one comfortably. We're going to rattle through the last three games. RSL LA Galaxy. Galaxy without Van da- Yella Van Damme suspended. So right there, you're talking three-fourths of their defense. Three-quarters three of their starting defense is out. Yella Van Damme, Robbie Rogers, Ashley Cole. And they have to go to they have to go to Utah. They do get Jermaine Jones back, which which you would think will help. Gio DeSantos is questionable. Uh he left the he left the game against Portland last week at halftime. Uh with a with enough of a was it a hamstring injury? Enough of a hamstring injury to keep him off of the Mexico. World Cup qualifying squad, but apparently he still potentially could play for the Galaxy. If you're, I'm sorry, I don't see LA risking it. Uh, when it comes to you know those kind of those kind of injuries, you don't want to mess around with that. Um, although if you're LA right now, you're 0 2. You're going to RSL, a tough place to play. You lose to RSL, all of a sudden you're 0 and 3. So maybe maybe that's why they still have him listed as questionable. I think it's risky. I think you sit him let him recover because you know you'd rather not have him for the one game than risk getting having him you know tear something 
And uh, I think that's what you could definitely run the risk of doing if you have him play uh, in this game. Next up, one of the games I'm absolutely looking forward to is Portland against Houston. The Timbers and the Dynamo, both 2-0. and Now, the Timbers didn't look so hot in L.A., even though they won. But still, their attack is still... I, I think their attack's going to come back to life against Houston. And now, this Houston team, we've seen, this Houston team loves to attack. They love to come at you in waves. They love to use that speed to overwhelm opponents. But they have vulnerabilities in their defense. They have vulnerabilities on the counter. I think the Timbers... With the attack that they have, can absolutely exploit Houston and their def- and their defensive weaknesses. So, I think this is going to be a fun one. There's going to be at least four goals, which I know was probably means it's going to be zero zero now because I just jinxed it. But I think this is going to be a goal fest. I think Portland wins it though. I think the Timbers win it. Caleb Porter is a, a pretty good coach, and I'm sure he's I'm sure he's looking and studying this Dynamo team, looking at their flaws, and will look to shut them down. Diego Chara will be assigned to try to stop Alex, the Brazilian midfielder, who's been great for Houston. Now he he has he, he's kind of been a journeyman who's kind of had a had a nondescript MLS career, but he's actually been very good for the Dynamo the first couple of games of this season. Uh, and obviously you have Kyoto and Elise and Kubo Torres. That front three is dynamic, no no pun intended, dangerous. But and and Portland with Liam, Liam Ridgewell out. This is going to be a cold. This is, you know what? I'm going to go. This is going to be like a 4 3 Portland win. Something crazy like that. 3 2, 4 3. There'll be a minimum of five goals, which I'm sure is a jinx, but I'm going to go with that. Last but certainly not least, Seattle Sounders return to CenturyLink Field and formally present their trophy, to their MLS Cup trophy, to their fans. They're playing at home for the first time since they won MLS Cup. And uh, they play a Red Bulls team that's 2-0, and but it's a Red Bulls team that's, you know what, there's still, the jury's a little out, still out, right? Because the first game against Atlanta, you can argue they were outplayed. Second half, they, you know, they turned it on. They got an own, they won with an own goal. And then last week, and then they, last week they won with an own goal. So they have two own goal winners, but I don't feel like we've seen the Red Bulls at their best yet. And I know you can definitely question, oh, maybe just, maybe with McCarty gone now, this is just who they're going to be. Maybe maybe they're not going to be better than we've seen. I, I think that's premature. I don't think that's the case. I think I think we will see that Red Bull team get better. And I think this is a game where we could see more from them. But I'm still going to go with Seattle. I think the Sounders, they showed they showed a lot against Montreal in the second half to rally two goals down. Uh, Clint Dempsey's obviously you know back in 100%. Uh, Nicholas Lodero has yet to really get off, and I think this is a game where he really shines in this one. I think Lodero has a has a game, and I think Jordan Morris. I think Jordan Morris's speed is going to cause some problems to that Red Bulls defense. Aaron Long and uh, Damian Pernell have been have been okay. They've played. Aurelian Collins been stuck on the bench. I'm going to go with Sounders in this one. I know that's you know it's the chalk pick because they're the home they're at home, but hey, they haven't won yet, and Red Bulls are two and zero. But I'm going to go Seattle in this one. Lodero, I think Lodero has a man of the match in this one, and that's going to be a fun one. I know the show is definitely like two hours long now, which I'm sure the fact that you've probably fallen asleep by now, but we'll we'll, we'll, we'll close it up. We'll close it up with a couple of notes. Americans abroad, and th- this is from the uh, how, my how things have changed department. Uh, I've got notes items on two different Americans abroad. One, Aaron Johansson. 
Now we all know he had his injury issues and he, uh, at work at Werder Bremen. He's, he's come back now from that, but now he's way low on the depth chart at Werder Bremen. He can't get on the field. He's like the fifth forward. He's not happy about that. And he's let it be known. He's gone public expressing his unhappiness and, and basically said, look, you know, I'd like to stay here, but if I have to go, then I'll go because, you know, I need to play. Um, <clears throat> so that's where, he, so his, that's where his career has kind of hit, hit, hit a wall, right? It's kind of stalled out. And then you have Bobby Wood. Bobby Wood is, is tearing it up. He's tearing it up for Hamburg. Teams have taken notice, and there are apparently teams that are looking at whatever the fee release, fee release clause is on his contract. And I don't think it's that high. And I think teams are looking at him as a bargain as a bargain summer transfer option. And Hamburg is caught on to that, and Hamburg is trying to give him a new contract. Now, I don't know what – if I'm Bobby Wood um, and – some bigger team can come get me. Why am I signing a new deal with Hamburg? Obviously, they're going to make it worth his while. But back to my point, it was only a couple of years ago where Aaron Johansson was scoring for fun uh, at AZ. And Bobby Wood couldn't, like, get a game in Bundesliga 2, in the 2 Bundesliga, in the second division. Now, here we are, a couple of years later, Bobby Wood is killing it for Hamburg. Starting regularly, scoring goals, starting for the U.S. national team, and Aaron Johansson is off the grid, off the right. He can't get a he can't get a sniff. He can't get a sniff. Unfortunate. It's definitely unfortunate for Aaron Johansson, but it just shows you how fortunes can change. A couple years ago, things are looking bad, and now they you know people turning around. I guess the moral of that story is you know don't write people don't write players off don't write players off because you never know you never know. Say right now, there were people, the buzzards were circling around Josie Altidore when he hurt his hamstring before Copa America, and he was going to miss Copa America. Oh, he's done. He's finished. Whatever, because for whatever reason, Josie Altidore has more haters than anybody, uh, at least among U.S. national team players. Um, but I tell you what, he's still a key player for the U.S. He was he was a monster the second half of the season in 2016. And he's going to be, re- I think for me, he's going to be really important in these upcoming qualifiers against Honduras and Panama. He has shown in his career, he gets up for it in the hex. And I know Bobby Wood's playing great, right? Um, but I think Josie Altador, I, for me, if you're asking me who's going to score the goals in these upcoming qualifiers, I think it's going to be Josie Altador. So we shall see. We only have a couple more things to go. UEFA Champions League draw. And I got to say, Dortmund Monaco is going to be fun. Uh, if you're not like a big European soccer fan and you're kind of like, why should I watch Dortmund and Monaco? Well, obviously, number one, Christian Pulisic is playing and you want to watch him in the quarterfinal of the Champions League. But Monaco is a fun team to watch, too. This is going to be a track meet. This is going to be a back and forth. There's, there's just, it's not it's not going to be any any bunkering or defensive soccer. These teams go at they go at you and they both like to do it. They both they have two. We're talking two young teams here. We're going to look back on this Dortmund-Monaco series, or as they say in Europe, tie. We're going to look back at this Dortmund-Monaco tie, and like five years from now, both like the guys from these teams are going to be like dotting the rosters of Real Madrid, Man United, uh, you know, Bayern Munich. (laughs) Of course, Bayern Munich, but like, yeah, so there is going to be a ton of young talent on display. So, yes, we we know about Madrid and Bayern. We know about Juve, Barcelona. 
but Dora Monaco is going to be fun to watch. And if you're not, if you don't have the multi-screen set up at your at your home or at your office, and you can only watch one match, if it, I'm Dortmund Monaco, that I'm going to watch both those matches absolutely. Well, who am I kidding? I'm going to watch all the Champions League matches because I have my like multi-screen set up here in my office. But uh, I'm looking forward to Dortmund Monaco. I got to tell you. Uh, and then last but not least, some news from up north. Canadian national team has hired Octavio Zambrano as its new head coach. And I, and I got to say congratulations to Octavio Zambrano. You know, here's a guy. and I, Now, me and Octavio go way back. He, uh, I started out as a, as a reporter covering MLS in 1999. And the first head coach that I, that I covered and that I worked with covering was Bora Militinovic. And his assistant was Fernando Clavijo. So I got to know Fernando pretty well back then. We're talking 1999, 18 years ago. Then the second coach after that, from 2000 to 2003, covering the Metro Stars, was Octavio Zambrano. So I got to know Octavio really well. And I feel like he got a raw deal. And I've written this before. I've said it a million times. He got a raw deal not getting another opportunity after that to be a head coach in MLS. Um, and there, there's been rumors swirling about why that was. Was, it blacklist, was he blacklisted by AEG because of... You know, his falling out when he when he was fired by the Metro Stars. You know, there was talk of all other kind of shady stuff tied to him that, you know what, fair or unfair. Point is, he didn't get an op- another opportunity, even though he had a really good coaching track record in MLS. Um, now, I saw him in January, and I had a chance to spend time with him and, you know, just catch up. And he was definitely eager to get back in the mix as a, as a head coach in the U.S. or in North America and Canada, I tell you what, it's a good opportunity. I think Canada got, Canada has hired a guy who I think could be a good fit for them. I, I, I absolutely think he could be a good fit for them. Um, it's obviously a longer term project because they are out. They're not in. You know, they're not qualifying for 2018. They have to look ahead to 2022 and look ahead to the summer's Gold Cup. So it's going to be interesting to see what he does with that group. A group that's you know I feel like is underachieved. Canada is underachieved. I feel like Canada's had the talent to do much more than they've done for what seems like four to six years now. And I think Zambrano's the guy to do it. And the interesting little factoid that I I threw up on Twitter, in case you missed it, was how interesting is it that right now the coaches, the head coaches for the U.S. national team, the Mexican national team, and the Canadian national team are all former coaches or head coaches of the Metro Stars slash Red Bulls. That's pretty crazy, right? That's pretty crazy. So... All we need is like, uh, you know, Costa Rica to hire Bob Bradley, uh, Trinidad to hire Mo Johnston, and we'll have the whole set. We'll have all the former New York coaches uh, coaching all the CONCACAF teams. So I thought that was pretty funny. Um, but, yeah, that's it. That, that wraps it up. I apologize to those of you who hate the show when it doesn't have guests. I know there's at least a few of you who hate when it's just me solo with nobody to partner with, and, and I definitely – Apologize for that. I, I mean, I want to get in the. I want to get into the habit of being able to do a solo show, but I definitely don't want it to be where if we only do one show in a week, that show is a solo show. It didn't work out that way this week, but going forward, that's definitely the plan. The plan going forward, two shows in a week, which should not be that difficult. I apologize that it wasn't able to get it done this week, but two shows in a week, and maybe one of the two shows we won't have guests, but at least one show we will have guests. And if there's a one-show week, I'm definitely going to work hard to get a couple of guests uh, to come on. I know uh, it didn't work out this week. That's on me. 
apologize for that, but I will I will work on that. I will be in San Jose all of next week ahead of the uh, USA Honduras World Cup qualifier. So I'm looking looking forward to being out there. So if you listen to the show or if you're an SBI reader and you're in the you know San Jose area, uh, I'll be around. I'll be around. So hopefully I can uh, you know catch up with some of you guys. Uh, but yeah, that's it. I think that wraps it up. Uh, I'll be back. Like I said, I'll, I'm going to try to drop a show on Monday before I leave for California. And I think that's it. Uh, definitely. If you get the opportunity, if you haven't given us a rating on our, on iTunes, please do so. I'd love to get some feedback from you guys on the new format for the show. I know it's still working out the kinks and I promise it'll get better. We just got to keep working on it. We got to practice. I'm getting old folks. I'm getting old, not that old, but I'm getting old. Uh, so I'm trying to, Trying to get get sharp again, get sharp again. It's going to take some reps, but we'll do it. And I think that's it. And and also, if you're listening to the show and you're an aspiring writer, or if you already are writing for websites, or if you're in college and you're looking for an opportunity to write, sbisoccer.com is looking for writers. I am looking for writers. I'm the editor-in-chief of SBI Soccer. Uh, and we are in the process. We're looking for new writers. We're looking for some new blood. We have some new writers in. And we're trying to build a team. We're trying to build a good team that, that can write about the game and cover the game. I know there's more websites now than ever. And it's funny because, you know, back when I launched the original SBI back in 2006, which is already, this is 11 years ago now, there weren't that many websites. But now there's, there are websites left and right. And it's it's great to see. And now I have to do my part and try to rebuild the team that I have and try to keep us in that conversation uh, so if you're an aspiring writer and you're listening to the show, email me, go on the website, go, go on SPSsoccer.com. You'll find the email address uh, and email me. Let me know if you're interested in writing. We're always looking for good writers. So reach out and maybe you can join the team. And again, another quick reminder, if you don't follow SBI Soccer on Twitter, do that at SBI Soccer, which is, you know, obviously all the updates all the news and features uh, on the Amer- whether it's Americans Abroad, MLS, even European soccer, we cover that as well. And obviously, you can read my work at goal.com. Uh, make sure you follow at Goal USA. And obviously, if you haven't yet, follow me at Soccer Vibes on Twitter. That's all for now. I think we've covered all the bases. We've plugged everything we can plug. We've definitely got over an hour. Apologies for how long and boring the show was, but hopefully there's something that you can glean from this because otherwise I just stayed up all night and no one's listening. I know that's my fault, but hopefully there was something here to entertain you. But that's all for now. We'll be back next week. Thank you for joining me. This is Ivis Skolarsep, and this is the SBI Show.